episode five it's june 5th baby so on this episode we're going straight mento man straight mento we're talking about all things mental health today for our first story we're going to talk about elon musk and this fda approval of Neuralink with the chimps the chips and the chips and the chimps chimps chips chimp yeah talk we'll get into more into that for our second story What's the deal with road rage, man? Yeah, that's what it really feels like. And for our final story today, we're going to be discussing what does the correlation between mental health, mental toughness have to do with sports? And before we jump into that mix, hit them with that great intro song, Anthony. Let's get it. Welcome to Donuts with Dudes, where we dive into the things that matter most to men, like sports, business, and mental conditioning. But we don't stop there. We also incorporate health topics, because being a well-rounded dude means taking care of yourself. We're your hosts, Anthony and Cameron, and we're excited to bring you this show, where we discuss hot topics and interview experts in their field, real dudes just like you. So sit back, grab a donut and maybe some coffee, and join us in the bakery. For our first story on this fine Monday, Anthony, I, I just got a question, man. If you had the opportunity to put a brain chip in your head, would you take it? Man, no. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> no. It, it's just a little wild to me, man. But we've got Elon Musk, who's been pouring a lot of his own money into this new company, Neuralink. Um, and actually $100 million of his own money into this venture to create chips that would be implants in, in your brain. And it looks like that the, the whole point behind this technology, what they're calling a BCI, a brain-computer interface, is to surgically implant these chips. And the whole goal is to help out with different neurological and motor impairment and spinal cord injuries. That kind of stuff sounds promising to me, right? I mean, if you've got a brain injury, if you've got MS, multiple sclerosis, um, ALS, things like that, you know, Musk has come out and said, you know, this is the main goal is to try to get on top of these different neurological issues and try to help with treatment. Right. I think, uh, you know, this goes into the last conversation we had, too, um, where you were talking about the benefits of, you know, I guess AI in health situations, right? But didn't they, did they test this on a monkey and playing Pong? Did yeah. you ever see this, bro? Yeah, so they had a monkey and he was controlling the game of Pong with his head, with his mind on a screen. So he wasn't touching anything, no. but he, wow. So that's was not that, really health benefits though, bro. They're just playing games with a monkey. So then that brings in this, this whole other topic of, the nefariousness that could come about from the use of these these implants. You think about hackers, right? I mean, that's the first thing that comes to mind with me. Someone hacking into my brain through this chip, 
you've got a a mega mil- billionaire, excuse me. I mean, I, I look at Elon Musk as a upright guy, but who knows, man? I mean, what does the future of this turn into and controlling people's minds and, and having a first right access into people's minds? And then the, the, there's the privacy issue, right? I mean, we're both in healthcare and we know the whole HIPAA Act and how that plays into it. So I just got to wonder, how do we have controls on this? We talked about controls with AI. Obviously, the FDA has come out and approved this for, for human and clinical trials, but you know the the conspiracy theorist in me and the and the maybe the paranoia in me just kind of thinks, eh, man, I don't know about a chip going into my brain. <laughs> yeah, I just really don't. I think that's more for fun. You know, I mean, what are you doing it for? And then is there you know you're trying to take a test to get into college or you know whatever you're doing? Like, I just don't think that the benefits there. I think it's going to, there's a lot of room for abuse in there. Yeah. Dudes, what are your thoughts on this? If you had the opportunity to supercharge your brain, throw a chip inside of it, or if you live with a impairment that the benefits of a chip like this would actually come out and help, we'd love to hear your story on it, your thoughts and your take on it. Find a link in the show notes, hit us up there, or email us at info at Donuts with Dudes. And for our second topic today, we tried to keep it all within the same realm of cerebral, the mental aspect of things. Um, But, Cam, what story you have that goes a little with this? Yeah, man, what's the deal with road rage, dude? I mean, what is up with people? And I'm not going to exclude myself from this. I'm, I'm just as culpable in this. But what is it about us as men and just, just people in general? When we get behind a wheel of a car, it just turns us into the Hulk. Just a lot of power, bro. You just got all that power. It's like we hop in our tank and we got, we got our armor ready to go. And we all just turn into different people, I feel like. You know, or, yeah, or you just show people who you are. It's true. Which which is the real you? You just the, do those you know. real traits come out whenever you're behind the wheel. Anthony, and I found some really cool statistics. You know, in the past ten years, the American Automobile Association has reported a five hundred percent increase in reported cases of road rage in the past ten years. That's also resulted in a total of over twelve thousand injuries and over two hundred murders because of road rage. That just kind of got me thinking, and actually something that kind of hits a little close to home for me personally, I was actually a victim of road rage a few months ago. I had a uh, some words with a lady um, in the school line of my child's school, and um, I guess this lady goes home, tells her husband about it, and her husband comes and chases me down with the weapon, and Fortunately enough, I was able to defend myself and turn the weapon on to this guy and was able to scare the guy away, I guess. And cops went and found this guy. But man, you really got to look out for yourself today because it is a world that we live in where people are willing to do anything and everything to either prove their point, to one-up you, or to be Superman, especially when they're behind the wheel of their own vehicle. 
But just get brave, man. A lot of people, they live in the moment of that moment, and they don't really think what could happen. You know, they're not really thinking that far in advance. Like, I, I, I find myself seeing a lot of times, like, say I'm driving, get cut off by whoever, and they cut you off. But then y'all are both going the same direction. Like we both live in the same, we live somewhere near each other. So I'm like, here I am mad at you. And I could literally follow you home and find out where you live if I wanted to. Yeah. And people are crazy enough to do those kinds of things. Right. And look, I'd like to think you and I are level-headed dudes, but man, there there's definitely some outliers out there that are willing to do whatever it takes to either prove a point or let some anger out. And I don't know, maybe maybe driving a car is a conduit of letting out our, our thoughts, our feelings, our anger from other situations. Um, I know for me, I, I definitely have my moments where even the littlest thing, like someone that even cut me off, but like gets in front of me and is kind of driving a little erratic, I can let those things not necessarily ruin my day, but I can think about it longer than I really should be allowing my headspace to you know, live rent free inside of my mm, head. Yeah. One thing I was even thinking about earlier was I feel like, uh, you know, during the pandemic and all that, man, people were living on edge anyway. So it was kind of like, uh, we didn't have a lot of interaction with a lot of people all the time. So yeah, I think people were just looking for that interaction too. <laughs> I don't know. Just looking for a reason, man. <laughs> just give me, give me a reason. I'm a honk at you. Come on, man. <laughs> give me this reason. Well, I'm gonna blow this horn and just ride you for a little while, bro. And then I'm, you know, back off that is funny you know when when, when people like if, if somebody doesn't like what you did or something and then they end up riding your butt and and again here again i've been culpable of doing this too in my lifetime but you think about the ramifications of that like you're not putting me out of any comfortability or putting me out in any kind of way by trailing me so i don't know what that proves and then again if I happen to stop on my brake. You're behind me, and then you run to the back of me. It's going to be your fault in the accident. Right, right. So it's very easy for us to lose our senses and our right mind thinking when we get behind the car. So how did it end up, man? How'd your altercation end? I was able to call the cops after I was able to fend the guy off, and cops found him. And so uh, hadn't really looked into much of the case lately, but I know that they were charging him with the misdemeanor. Is what it is, but you got to watch yourself because I, I relived that moment a little bit and um, him pulling out the weapon, obviously it wasn't a gun, thank God, but had it been a gun and me not being prepared, the story could probably end up being a completely different story today. So dudes, take care of yourself. Be mindful of what's really important. Is it getting the one up on somebody when you're driving a car or sometimes it's just best to let people have their way and most of the time it's not even something that you did it's just other buildup of people living their lives and it's just being hashed out on you and i'd really hate for one of our listeners to get in a situation like i did and it and it end up being a worse scenario and on the other side of that man just guys don't let your wife's talk you into getting beat up bro <laughs> i'm just saying hey you know we providers and protectors but don't let your wife talk you into getting beat up with your own weapon. I promise you. Uh, we can laugh about it now, and that's great. And I'm so glad I get to live to tell the story. But yeah, good advice there. there. Dudes, what do you guys think about road rage? Where and, and how do you respond to a lot of these scenarios? Are you just like Anthony and I, and 
just kind of turn into a different person behind the CU car? Or are you guys just stoics that none of this really bothers you? Hit us a line. And for our final segment today, we're going to discuss how does mental conditioning and mental toughness play into sports and vice versa? It's a, it's a really neat correlation, and Anthony and I have kind of looked into some topics that relate to, to mental health and sports and physical activity altogether, really. Anthony, what, what, what do you got over there? Well, you know, keeping this on, on track for the, with the mental episode is what I'm, we're going to call this. Um, I was looking at, you know, we're, we usually talk to or talk with a lot of adults and, and work through a lot of those issues that adults face. But, you know, at the same time, I was looking at, you know, if we're trying to lead uh, lead the future, right? Um, and we're and we have kids, and we're talking to our children about sports and just mental health. I came across an article on the ten mental benefits of sports. It says, you know, scientists. So I found this on NewportAcademy.com. Here are the ten benefits of sports validated by research. One is uh, exercise positively impacts levels of serotonin, which the chemical that helps regulate mental health and stimulates neurotransmitter norepinephrine, which improves your mood. Yeah. It's, that, it's the happiness chemical. Right. right? Yeah. Um, now that you say that, look, number two, physical activity releases endorphins. That, that's the body's natural happy chemicals that you just stated and reduces levels of the stress hormone cortisol. cortisol. Yeah. See? There you go, man. You know what you're talking about. All right. I don't, what, what am I here for, bro? You already know this. You want to just pick it up right now? Go. I've got a little background in exercise physiology with my undergraduate degree. That's probably why, but yeah. I don't, I don't want to cut into it. No, 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 no. But uh, one thing I really like here is number three is uh, sports are associated with lower rates of stress, anxiety, depression, and suicidal behavior. Um, participation in team sports reduces the risk of teen substance abuse and other reckless behaviors. That's huge. It, absolutely, man. You know, when you're committed to a team or you're dedicated, I feel like you're your focus is somewhere else, whereas you can kind of go down the wrong path on some of these things. Number five, team sports enhance resilience, empathy, confidence, and empowerment. Mm. 100%. Agreed. Um, just whenever I'm coaching these kids, they got to go through things. You know, sports teaches a lot of life lessons, and you can translate them outside of sports to where, you know, you work with a team, you learn how to be accountable. Um, but moving on. Number six, they have been shown to increase executive functioning, creativity, cognitive development, and self-regulation. Something that we lack in, in this day and age. Yes. Um, number seven is improved teamwork and social responsibility are added for additional benefits of team sports for mental health. Number eight, the more time spent being physically active, the less time a teen spends on social media, which is proven to lower adolescence well-being. We all got to have less screen time, man. So if, the, if that gets my kids off the iPads, yes, absolutely. You know, and that can even go to being something simple, too. If, if everybody's on an iPad and say you're not even into sports, but you want to do some physical activity and just get everybody going on a walk. Yeah. You know, go around the neighborhood or go outside, um, you know, throw a ball or whatever you can do. Do something um, to, to limit that screen time. Um, number nine, teen sports as well as other outdoor activities get teens outside so they can experience the benefits of time and nature. Go outside, man. Breathe, breathe some air. Enjoy some sun. Get some vitamin D in That's you. That's right. And number 10, this is something I agree with 100%. 
Sleep improves when teens are physically active, which is important because sleep is essential for maintaining mental health. Yeah. And I know this for to be a fact too. I mean, all of our repairing happens whenever we are asleep. And if we don't have good sleep, that goes into your recovery. So if you're playing sports, you're not going to recover as well. As far as soreness goes, you're you're not going to be at the top of your game. Obviously, mentally, kind of going back to what we're talking about, being a professional, the nights that I don't get good sleep, the next day, my executive function and my cognitive function is not where I would like for it to be. Sleep's really important to me. And it, I mean, it's important to everybody, but I really like my sleep. <laughs> Bro, you know what? It's, I, I, I feel like uh, just recently, probably within the last two or three weeks, maybe even just in school, just got out last week. Like I am looking forward to bedtime, bro. Yeah. Like I'm just like, oh yes, I, I, I'm almost done. I, I can go lay down and turn the lights off and just close my eyes and go go into that realm. But that kind of pivots me into this next topic of mental toughness is also what we were speaking on with the benefits of sports. But, you know, the mental toughness is just the other side of the, of the sports where you're taking it a little bit more serious to the next level as far as your preparation, your training, everything that goes into it. Like, uh, what's the, the guy David Grogan say? If something makes you uncomfortable, then do it. Right, right. So, you know, we don't want to run. We don't want to go to the gym. We don't want to eat healthy. We don't want to do anything that really requires us to do anything extra sometimes, you know? I feel like you're speaking to me right now. <laughs> hey, man. I'm just looking at you, dog. <laughs> it's hot in here right now. It is hot here. <laughs> but, you know, mental toughness describes the mindset every person adopts in everything they do, and it is critically important and valuable for everyone at two levels. They say here the, the mental toughness is a personality trait which describes mindset. It examines what is in the mind of the individual to explain the way why they behave the way they do. And so there is obvious link to mindset and behavior. Yeah. You know, with, with that being said, I definitely, you know, think about just some of the professional athletes that we talk about sometimes, you know, you've got Tiger Woods and kind of some of the stuff that he went through professionally and personally hindered him on the on the course and then you got kind of tom brady yeah with giselle and his old divorce and all that i mean i feel like that story kind of came out of the blue remember he he retired everything was good then he came back got divorced based on that well i'm sure there's other decisions that you know sure but other factors that happened there but kind of had his one of his worst years ever i mean granted he is 45 years old and possibly on his way out, besides the fact that there are rumors that the Las Vegas Raiders are trying to get him picked up right. right now. But going through all that just goes to show that big life events and not having your, your mental game up to par can definitely be, be detrimental to your performance. And I think it shows in just these two used cases that we're talking about with Tiger Woods and, and Tom Brady. But how do you guys perceive mental health, mental wellness, mental awareness, mental toughness? And how does that play a factor in your lives? I'd like to hear from you and stick around for a little bit longer because we have a great interview with a great mental health coach, John Petrelli, that I think will give you some great insight on how can we perform better and just get a better edge on our mental health. We'll be back in a minute, but now a word from our sponsors. 
At some point in our adult lives, we may have to turn our attention to the needs and safety of our parents and grandparents as they age. They've done so much for us, and it's our turn to make sure they have the best quality of life. I founded HomeSpark because seniors deserve to have the very best care available so they can age with dignity and remain independent longer. Our caregivers provide wellness checks, companionship, transportation, meal preparation, and more of what you think is important. To learn more about our personalized care plan, visit us at homesparkcare.com. HomeSpark, we care for people. Well, dudes, we have an esteemed guest with us in the bakery today. His name is John Petrelli. And he brings over 30 years of experience of coaching some of the biggest names in the entertainment industry, Grammy award-winning artists and A-list Hollywood actors. However, in 2001, John's life took an unexpected turn when he became paralyzed with Guillain-Barre syndrome, which landed him in the ICU. It took John an immense amount of mental fortitude to overcome this disease. And through this experience, the book Confessions of a Hollywood Trainer was born. An Amazon number one release. So, dudes, welcome to the studio, John Petrelli. Thank you. Welcome in, buddy. I've never uh, done a podcast in a bakery. (laughs) (laughs) Well, John, you shared a little bit of your story with us prior to hopping on the show and told us that your younger self should have ended up in prison or dead. Can you share some of those experiences as a younger man with us? 100%. You know, I feel honored to be able to share this with you. And we're going to roll way back because before I got in trouble as a younger man in my teens and in my 20s, I believe the the setup for that happened in my childhood. And please understand that no matter anything that I say here today, I take full responsibility for all my actions. I don't blame anybody else. I don't blame my peer group. I don't blame my parenting or any of that because there were people that had similar situations that I did that didn't choose to do the destructive things that I did. So I take full responsibility, but I am going to go ahead and kind of clarify how I believe things had put me in a position to make some bad choices. My father was born in 1921. He was born during the Depression. He didn't have a father, and he was raised by the military. He went into the military at 18. He served in World War II. He served in Korea, and he served in Vietnam. So his father was the military, and the things that he saw, which I'm not even aware of because as a man, I don't feel like he felt comfortable even talking about that, the nightmares that he saw until he became much older. So things that may have been seen as weakness in his life would have been maybe care, compassion, love. And so he didn't really translate those things to me. My dad never said, my first memory recollection of my dad saying, I love you and calling me son was at 20 years old. And so throughout my childhood and everything, I didn't have that with my dad, my relationship. He was a great provider. He did many, many great things. I don't want to nullify who he was as a man. He had the tools that he had in his tool belt from his life experiences, and he used them to the best of his ability. Now, my mother, on the other hand, uh, both of my parents were born in Italy, is just a ball of love. She's four foot 11, fireball that is, if you ever come to my house, Cameron and Anthony, I guarantee you, you'll be met at the door with love, food, and you'll probably need a nap from overeating as soon as you come <laughs> in. <laughs> so she helped balance my life, thank God. But I wasn't able to articulate at an early age or at my teen years about where my anger was coming from. I wasn't able to articulate where fear came from. And as a 
as I grew and matured, I was able to identify it. But I had fear of my father because I couldn't communicate with him. I had fear with him because if I, I had fear of doing anything wrong, I would have been looked at or, or dealt with in a certain way. And that fear ended up manifesting itself into anger, and that anger manifested itself into violence. So a major milestone in my life happened when I had just graduated high school. I had dyslexia. I literally had in high school teachers that passed me simply so they wouldn't have to see my face again because I was a horrible student. And at that point in my life, I would blame other people, things outside of me for my shortcomings. It was always somebody else's fault. But on one fateful night, there were many violent acts. But the thing that really kind of put me in a 180 degree turn was there was an altercation on the street. And within a split second, my life changed. There was an individual that was going to strike one of my friends. And without thought, I kicked that person in the face. And he went and fell to the ground and his head got cracked open. The back of his skull got cracked open. He went unconscious. And here I am at 18, supposed to be going away to college within the next couple of weeks. Uh, the only college I can get into was a community college. My grades were horrible. And here now my life is changing. And it only got worse. Without thought, once again, this anger manifested itself into violence. And I turned and I swung and took my right hand and I, I threw a punch. Unbeknownst to me, there was a handcuff on my, my right wrist. And an undercover cop had seen me strike that person and was arresting me. And in a moment's notice, I'm punching now a police officer and striking him in the side of the head with his own handcuff. So here I am at 18 years old. And in a split second, everything in my life changed. Now, I'm not saying that your life has to hit rock bottom because I don't believe it does in order for you to make a change. But for me, that was the culmination of a bunch of things and a hard break on what my life was, the life I was leading and the way it was heading that needed to happen in my life for me to have a realization that there's more to life than this, that I need to change my life. And I want to add to society instead of taking away from society. So there was a long journey of me going through court, the court system and everything that I had to deal with there. If, if I, we can get into more detail in the future, but uh, I wish I can also say that that was the absolute hard stop of me doing things that were destructive, but it wasn't. It was the very beginning of me starting to change my life. I went to college. I started getting good grades for the first time in my life. I started isolating myself from my peer group. Now, it's not that my peer group was the problem. They were an influence on me, but I was weak at that point, and I couldn't turn that influence into something positive, and I let it turn me because of my lack of discipline, because of my lack of self-esteem into something destructive. So I started using some tools, even though they were on a subconscious level. I started isolating myself from what I saw to be negative uh, circumstances and peer group. I started putting my energy into studying, and I started envisioning what a future would be like if I changed my geography. And I decided that once I got out of college that I would change my geography and I would move to a new area, kind of start a new future and, and get out of my past and the shame I held with my past. Man, I can see how one lives that life and you're faced with a fork in the road, right? You, you can either continue down the same path and try to live out your life in destruction, or you're faced with a, a, an epiphany where, okay, this is a turning point. And, um, you know, what I make of my past and, and how that turns into in making that into something good 
right? And obviously you've done that. Man, yeah, that's, it seems to be a very impactful past that, that causes you to do some reflecting and either changing or just being good at those bad things, right? Yeah. You know what's crazy too is in my head as a, as a youth, I had envisioned because of the anger I had in me that I was going to either end up dead or in. And when it ended, when I ended up being in the back of a cop car handcuffed, and I was watching first the paramedics, then the fire department try to revive the person. Actually, it was first the police. And I'm selfishly sitting there as I watch this person wondering what's going to happen with my life. Am I going to end up in jail? Am I going to end up murdering somebody here? Am I taking a life? I wasn't even concerned about what was happening to that person on the ground. But I, I was fulfilling what my, my destiny had been pre-designed in my own mental capacity. I had always thought that this would happen to me. And here it is playing out in real time in reality. And so when I started changing my thoughts and I started changing what was in my mind to being more, let's create something. What are the possibilities? What are the options? Those things started appearing in my life. Those things that were now in my head started coming to fruition in reality in real time. And so I can't emphasize enough how important it is that the things that are between your ears, the thoughts that are between your ears will either come out in positive if they're positive, or you can live this nightmare that's between your ears if that's what you decide to focus on. So after I got in out of college, I had another situation happen. I wish I could tell you that was the last situation, but it was the end of the road. It was the last straw. I called a friend of mine that lived in California and I said, listen, I need a favor from you. He was playing uh, football at a junior college. He lived with his uncle. And I said, I need to leave my, my, I need to leave my neighborhood. I need to start a new future. And he said, I don't have any room for you, but if you want, you could come and sleep on my floor. And I had $300 in my pocket. I bought a plane ticket and I went and I got on a plane. And that's the day that my dad said at the airport that he loved me and that he called me son. And my parents took me to the airport. And I don't want to start crying here, but that was literally the change of my life. Someone gave me a shed of light to sleep on their floor. And I took that opportunity to then change the whole course of action in my life. And that's what I try to do with people now is give them that little shed of light that if they're willing to work hard, they're willing to put in the time, they're willing to put in the effort, that the opportunity will be there because someone paid it forward for me. Very insightful. Yeah. And based off of that, I kind of have a hunch based off our next question as to what the, some of the answers to this, but what inspired you to focus on men's mental health? Yeah, that's a great question. So I didn't start off thinking about focusing on men's mental health. Although this man, me, needed a lot of mental health clarity. I was a very small kid. I'm six foot, six foot one now, but as a freshman in high school, I was four foot 11 and I grew out of a it's a freak of nature. My mom's four foot 11. My dad was five, eight. So out of freak of nature, I grew. So I started working out to kind of, I was ended up being this tall, skinny kid. I went from a short, skinny kid to a tall, skinny. So I started dealing with the physicality of me first. And I wanted to help other people in that area. So I became a personal trainer. When I moved to California, I took a test back in 1995. No, it was in 1993. But I found out very quickly that in order to change the exterior and the physicality, I had to deal with my own mentality and other people's mentality in order to change their physical being. I had to help change and craft a new 
outlook on life. I had to change what their belief system was. And when the computer would then change the machine, which is the body. And I learned, you know, to circle back to your question, that our mental health, our mental clarity, our belief system literally controls all of our physicality. So in a roundabout way, I got thrust into that arena without seeking it because that was the solution to what I wanted to achieve. So it put me on that path of helping people as as a trainer, dealing with the mental side of it, the physical side of it. And and a beautiful thing happened. The more I focused outside of myself, the more I started helping people, it started healing me. It started healing the shame I had, my past action. It started healing me. And so I went on this journey with people in a belief as a young man at 21 to go, man, I'm helping these people. And as I got down the road, I looked back and I go, did I help them? Yes, but they helped me tenfold. Because I put it outside of myself and I did it as a giving thing as opposed to a taking. You know, one of the things that you were touching on is just your train of thought or however you, I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of the same thing. If if you get in a rut or something's going on in life and you start going down a certain path and your thoughts are taking you this certain way, you got to learn when to stop that and, and, and correct that. Um, otherwise, you know, it, it can lead to just a bunch of negative feelings. You know, it, you can blow it out of proportion, I feel like. Yeah, you know, I, I've always, I've always been a uh, this internal locus of control. The world's happening to me versus I am making essentially my own reality, right? And you know, a lot of that is life is ninety percent of what you make of it, and ten percent of what your environment is, right? And 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 if we can teach one another or, or foster these skills, where we're able to to take that outlook and execute then I think that life just can kind of almost fall into place and you can kind of make your own reality. How do you feel about that? I believe that. So, I mean, this is my life's journey. This is so true. It's how my life has played out. As I said earlier, you know, when I had those negative thoughts in my head, a lot of negative things ended up manifesting. So when I started changing my thought process, then I started seeing all these beautiful things occur in my life. When I when I took responsibility for my actions and I dropped the shame about what I did in the past and understood that one incident doesn't, ident- doesn't encapsulate who I am as a human being. We all make mistakes and we all should be able to, to repent for those mistakes. We all should be able to move forward and, and, and don't have that one thing be your identity. My identity is right now in the present. My identity is in the future. I can only learn from what I've done in the past and change how I now have a perspective on the future. You know, I'm very much into the physical, you know, as a trainer, the physical realm. And I understand now as an adult, how the mental realm helps. And for me, spirituality plays in that whole circle. And we all have our own journey. But I think it's very important to set yourself up with tools. And I try to give people I work with tools to help them with exactly how you had articulated a moment ago, like we may have negative thoughts in our head and we got to cut that cycle off. But just as you train reps in a gym for your arm or your leg, or you do squats, I believe it's very, very important to set yourself up for success to set up your mental health. So every day, and we all have a different schedule, but I get up four o'clock in the morning because that's my schedule. And I start doing breath work and I center myself. And for me, I say prayers and I say I I really articulate what I'm grateful for. 
Today's not guaranteed. I wasn't guaranteed to wake up today. So what kind of things am I going to do today to help others, to to better myself so I can therefore help more people? Because I know the healthier I am, the better sleep I get, better mental health I get, the more people I can affect in a positive manner. So I, I set myself up every morning with 99.9% of the time with breath work I do is a thing called Wim Hof. It's free on on YouTube. I think it's a great thing for maybe your listeners to check into. And it's just a breathing technique, but it gets everything out of my head. I don't I don't plug in any technology for the first hour. I don't have anything pull me in a direction I may not want to go. So I do breath work first. And then I, I say what I'm grateful for every day. I have a certain prayer that I've crafted and, and people that have come through my life that I'm so thankful for how they've touched my life in a positive way. And then I go, okay, Here's things that I now want to I want to bring to fruition in my day. I have a plan, a set plan, and I go over what that plan is, whether it's take my son to soccer, tell my wife I love her, whatever that may be, help X amount of people. And then I, I set myself up with physical activity that I find is so important for me to challenge myself in some capacity, whether that I do jujitsu, I do boxing, I do fitness, and I try to do things that I'm uncomfortable with. I am a horrible swimmer. I sink like a rock. I'm negatively buoyant. But I put myself in that position because I'm uncomfortable there because I know the world at some point is going to make me uncomfortable. So if I practice being uncomfortable and therefore become comfortable in uncomfortable positions, I am more apt to handle challenges when they come because we can have the pain of going through something like for me swimming, or I can have the pain of regret of not being able to help someone. I'd rather deal with the first than the latter. So these are tools I try to give to people every day. It doesn't happen with, a, I don't have a magic wand. It doesn't happen in one turn. It may not happen in two, but I guarantee you, if you do things like this on a continual basis, you will put yourself in, in the best position to maximize an opportunity when it presents itself. Man, I'm just over here like shaking my head like, yes. Yes. Yeah, getting yes. getting coaching right now, man. <laughs> Absolutely. That was good. That's good. But uh John, man, in, in your experience, um what are some common mental health challenges that men face and like how do you approach addressing them? I think we can make it more specific and say it's men, but I do think this is human condition. And I do believe that there are differences between men, women, children, adults, right? We are crafted from different parts. We have different upbringings. Everybody's an individual. But guys may have, like my father had challenges saying he loved someone, he loved me, or he loved someone because it was seen as weakness. When I think it can be so powerful to tell someone, to just take a moment, and even though they know it already, to let them know that you love them, right? So I think sometimes guys, machismo or bravado, we may not go down that. But the power that's contained in that the things that I will do, I would, I would take a bullet for my family that I, I love. I would run in, and I believe you guys would be too. Guys, a lot of us, we're protectors, right? We will do so much out of love on a physical realm, but we're maybe hesitant to say it, right? To articulate it. Mm -hmm. And we'll do it more in our actions. So maybe because of the way my father was, have gone too much in the other, <laughs> the other direction. My kids are like, yes, dad, we know you love us. <laughs> that's my journey, right? That's what they have to deal with. And then sometimes I also feel as men, you know, we are a lot of times a protector. We are a lot of times a provider. 
And we can look at ourselves as a failure if one instance failed for us. But that doesn't define, once again, who we are. We have another shot at this. There's always a rebirth. There's always a new day until there's not a new day. So leave what is in the past. Leave the baggage. Take the tools from the past that you've learned. And now use those tools to your advantage. Because I learned the hard way when I became paralyzed in 2021. And I sat in the ICU for 10 days. And I couldn't move anything but my eyeballs for 10 days. And I could have been, woe is me. I could have said, why is this happening to me? But I made a definitive decision when they had me in a wheelchair and they're wheeling me into the ICU to say, a lot of these people will probably not make it out of here. I'm going to do everything in my ability to make it out for my family. And I don't know why yet, but this isn't happening to me, but this is happening for me. And I'm going to find out why this is happening for me. And I'm going to make something positive happening out of being paralyzed. And the other way, if I looked at it the other way, what were going to be the positive outcome of that? I, why is this happening to me? Why is God doing this to me? Why is society doing this? Why, why? So I just said, let's, let's turn this around. And you guys had mentioned at the beginning that I wrote a book. If I didn't ever end up paralyzed and in the hospital, I would have never written a book. Here's a man that has dyslexia that got passed in 11th grade by my teachers because they couldn't stand to see my ugly face anymore. And I wrote a book because I was laid up for three months trying to learn how to walk again. And I said, okay, this is happening for me. What can I do to help and inspire other people that may find themselves in this situation? If I had never had that happen, I'd be at work working 10 to 12 hours a day. I would have never had the time. I would have never had the bravery to do it. But I did it. I've never written a book. And it comes out to be a number one bestseller. It's, it's crazy. The chances of that happening are, are infamous. I mean, I can't even pronounce or say infinitesimal. I don't even know if it's a word, but that, that's what it is. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's, it's all about how you frame things, right? I mean, you, you, you can go one way or the other. And if you choose to take the positive and make what you can out of it, Man, you, you come out on the other end with a with a best selling book. I love that. One thing you had mentioned, I, I, you said uh, your your father was born in the twenties, correct? Yes, sir. Nineteen twenty one. My dad was uh forty five. Uh, Nineteen forty five. So on that aspect, I, I feel like maybe men back then, like uh, he was he was raised in the uh, you know no emotions type thing. I, I mentioned that in a previous podcast, and he's protect the family, work for the family, do all of that. Do you see? in the age groups of men that you work with, is there, is, is there any kind of trend in that? Or was that just more of like the old times where those guys were, were brought up to where now do you see some of the younger guys that you, you work with still have that same blockage or is it more of like, Hey, it's, it's a different issue now. I think as a group, as a collective, right. I do think that there are things that happen in different areas, right? Your journey is what it is. My kids will never know what it's like to have a paper route. I don't even know if there's newspapers anymore, right? But I had a paper route. I've always I worked in horse barns, stalls, mucking horse stalls, bailing hay. My kids will probably never have that perspective. So their journey is different, right? If they want to find out something, they'll click on Google. We didn't have Google, guys. We had to have a different perspective on things. We, if we, if we were lucky, we had Encyclopedia Britannica. If we were lucky, right? So maybe that instilled a different work ethic than they have things at, the, at their fingertips. So I don't know if one is better 
or one is worse. But I believe we can take tools from each of these eras and apply them because I think a great work ethic is tremendous to have. And I don't want to lose that. And I do my best to instill that in kids, right? In my kids to understand that the value of a dollar, the value of helping someone out, the value of having sweat all day to earn a few dollars. And then I need to learn from them something that they do in their era, right? Is, hey, man, maybe technology is not all bad. Maybe we can use it to our benefit if we control the amount that we use. So if we have no emotion and we don't say I love you and we only work all day, we're missing part of life. And if we only know that I can click on something and get instant gratification and we don't know hard work, we're missing part of life. So how do we take from every individual era and say, okay, these are tools we can use. It will make me a better person. It'll enhance my journey. So I think things with kids that I deal with today, because I train a lot of young athletes, I work with a lot of young athletes, is to go, hey, man, you might have to put some work in. This is not going to happen because you are just going to wish it to happen. We got to put some work in here, right? It starts with a wish. It starts with a thought. But now we have to have this long line of hard work consistently over a period of time. And then we can say there are some things that maybe we can do smarter. We'll have our hard work ethic, but maybe we can learn from some of these youngins and, and do something a little smarter too. All about it, man. You know, we, we, we talked about tools a couple of times in, in, in this interview already. What would you prescribe for somebody that is maybe in this blockage still that they grew up the way that we grew up? I think we all kind of share a collective of work hard, suck it up, be a man, that kind of thing, who's still in that same cycle to be able to create a, their own environmental safe place to where they can be open about whatever it is to make their mental health a priority? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, the first thing that pops into my head is as men, we are protectors and we need to be as kind to ourselves as we would be to other people. We need to be willing to save ourselves too and do stuff for ourselves as we would be to work hard for our family all day. We need to set aside a little time for ourselves every day whether whatever that is for you, whether that's gardening, hiking, hunting, breathing. And so you can therefore present yourself to society and your loved ones in a much more open and stable place where you can give and receive love. Yeah, man. Self-care, self-forgiveness, self-love is something that's just not, it's not innate for me. I'm actually more of a self-deprecating person. And I think that at least the men that I've really gotten to know really, really well, it can be a common theme inside of manhood. Mm -hmm. So taking that advice is, I think, really important. Definitely garnering and practicing self-love and self-forgiveness too. You know, one thing I really appreciate out of all this is if you plan to help other people, you got to help yourself. You know, I've never said this before. I'm going to try to articulate it, what's in my head, but it may come out jumbled because I've never, you just sparked this thought in me. If you were in dire need and the only thing that could help you in this particular situation was money, finances, you would have to have somebody that had that resource in order to help you, right? Finances. You'd have to have somebody that has a bank of money to help you in a particular situation. If we don't have our own bank of mental health, if we don't have our own bank of self-care, if we don't have our own bank of self-love, when that person needs love, when that person needs care, 
how can you give them anything if your bank is empty? So we always have to prepare ahead of time if we really want to serve and help people to allot ourselves a certain amount of time. So when someone needs a deposit, they need to withdraw from us. We can. Yeah, absolutely. You can't fill somebody else up if you're not filled up yourself. Man, that was a little epiphany. I guess we had a, uh, what's, what are you? Uh, Light bulb. Yeah. Yeah, bro. <laughs> that was good. That was good, man. But, uh, John, man, before we, before we let you go, we would be remiss if we didn't discuss your new book, Confessions of a Hollywood Trainer. Can you give us some insight into that and, and where we could find it? Yes, sir. Thank you for the question. So it literally is my journey in life where I started up. I grew up on a horse farm. I grew up in a town of 2,000 people. My belief system uh, was limited. I got thrust from a, a world that I was kind of greedy. I got thrust from a world where I was self-centered. I got thrust from a world that was uh, everybody else's fault into a world of helping people, into a world of taking care of people and giving. And it has only propelled me. It propelled me as a 21-year-old man into being a trainer and helping people with their mental and physical health, to getting the eyes of Hollywood and working with A-list celebrities, professional athletes. It's a freak of nature, the things that I've done. And I say that only because I want people to know that if someone that has dyslexia, that someone that was arrested, sat in the back of a, of a cop car and went through the court system can make these things possible. Someone that got paralyzed and was able to then relearn how to walk from a wheelchair to a, a walker to a cane at 50 years old, have this happen, to write a book that imagine what you can do Imagine what you guys can do with this podcast and how many people you can touch. Imagine what you can do as a doctor, as a teacher, as a, as a mom, as a dad. I, I put it out there to just go, man, there's something in this book that you can relate to and you can see that it's all possible. Craft your own journey. You're never too old. You're never too young. I don't care what other people think of you. I don't care what other people say. If you know in your heart you can do something and you're willing to put in consistent work, literally anything is possible. Literally anything is possible. And understand that things happen for you. They don't happen to you. The worst dire circumstances, you can find a shed of light. People gave me a shed of light to change my life. You can find a shed of light. You can change other people's lives while you're changing. I wish you guys would check out the book. It's on Amazon. It's on iTunes. The audiobook and the audiobook has three hours of extra hours. It's crazy. It's helped change my life. I had people call me from Ohio. I had people call me from California. I had people call me from Middle America that had GBS, Guillain-Barre syndrome, or had a family member that got paralyzed like I did. And they said, What can you do? What tips can you give us? We're, we're here lost. We don't know what to do. And so if it didn't happen for me like that, I could never give them advice. So that's the takeaway. And the last thing is, I kind of told you guys kind of off air a little bit. I have an absolute soft place in my heart for military veterans, for police officers, for doctors, for nurses, for teachers. I donate a certain amount of my time every year to help nourish them and give them tips on nutrition, on physicality, on mental health. On my website, either johnpetrelli.com or confessionsofahollywoodtrainer.com. Please, if you know people that are in need, I will do it for free. I will help. I'm here to help people. Together, we can make a difference in so many people's lives. 
Dudes, there you have it. I mean, what an amazing, I mean, guy, conversation. If, if you guys love what you heard today, we definitely want to want, you, want to inspire you guys to reach out to John. John, will you share with us again how to get in contact with you? Yes, sir. It's confessionsofahollywoodtrainer.com, johnpetrelli.com. Uh, you can get a hold of me there. Just Google my name. It'll come up on Facebook. It's John Petrelli. On Instagram, it's John Petrelli. I had to have my te- kids teach me all this because I'm horrible at technology. So that's that's what they tell me. That's it. Hey, understandable. And John, I, I feel like we've gained a new friend and just having a short conversation with you. I feel like there's a lot more knowledge that you can bestow upon us and our listeners. So we look forward to having you back on the show, hopefully here soon. Hey, man, I'd love to come back by the bakery, but I'm going to hold you two guys sending me a donut or two next time I come on. And uh, I feel blessed to share this time with you. All the best in your podcast, all the success in the world. And I hope that you guys can inspire and really help a lot of people. Thanks, John. Have a good one. Hey, man, just so our listeners know, John is in Hawaii and he's gracious with just hopping on the show with us and taking a little time away from his vacation. So enjoy Hawaii, enjoy those beaches. And uh, we look forward to seeing some pictures on, on social media. Yeah, man. Thank you. You got it, my brother. Thank you. All right. Take it easy. Well, dudes, that's it for our show today. We hope you guys enjoyed our conversation with John Petrilli just as much as we got to interact with him. John was a great insight to a lot of different things. He's author, actor, Hollywood trainer. Make sure you go out and check out his book, Confessions of a Hollywood Trainer. And if you're not a reader, it's also an audible audio book. Listen to the book. I think you'll get some great content out of that. And guys, before we leave you today, we want to make sure that if you're struggling today, that you reach out and talk to someone. If you don't feel comfortable with the people that you have in your inner circle, there's a lot of different resources that you can reach out to. The Suicide and Crisis Lifeline has a great resource for you. You can dial or text 988. Dial or text 988 at any point in time and get a real life person on the other side to talk to you. And guys, if you'd like to look into it a little bit further, check out the website, 988lifeline.org. And so until then, take care of yourself, look after yourself, and we'll see you guys next week. I think I'm going crazy.